This is episode number 275. What have you learned from your story with Dorothy Ogre and Scott Mason? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation that takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, where we explore the connection between one's inner narrative and the topics of grief, resilience, appreciation, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details about our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life or has helped you see your world through a different lens, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. We are back. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to share the stage with the three of you and, and have this topic because, well, a couple of different reasons. So, Scott, I don't know if you were, if you've had the uh, time to see uh, Dorothy's article that she had um, <laughs> shared with us in the recent days. It's, it's you know, talk about a learning from your story and the different things that you've learned from your own voice and there's so much that I learned and so many questions that I walked away with. I, I was sharing with you earlier. One of them is this concept of uh, legacy and how, well, I, I don't want to spoil that article completely for anyone that hasn't read it, but you know, your decision for not wanting to have kids and how that impacts a sense oh, of legacy, which is probably a common topic for you as well, Scott. Um, now that I think about it, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm really excited. <laughs> I have read other things by Dorothy. Uh, she's a great poet, and I cannot wait to see what this is. And just based on what I read by Dorothy so far, I would heartily recommend anyone following her on LinkedIn or on her website just to experience the uniqueness that she is. And that's, yeah. that's worth knowing about. Yeah. No, it's it, it's incredible, and and the the reason why I started this way is because I think as it relates to the topic of today's discussion, as far as what have you learned from your story, I'm really curious to hear from the two of you, and maybe this is the best way that we can even begin this discussion, as well as anyone else that's tuning in right now, is how do you actually know that you are learning from your story to begin with? Hmm. I'll just start by saying something <laughs> that goes as to what should be obvious, but mm -hmm. sometimes the obvious ain't so obvious. And in any event, sometimes the obvious can begin to open those trap doors that allow us to crawl <laughs> down and figure out what's settling underneath. And that is, have you changed your behaviors based on your story? Or have you at least changed your thinking? If you were treated badly at work, if you were yelled at, if you were screamed at, 
And if you were belittled, well, did you per perpetuate those behaviors? Unless you didn't, you know, unless you liked being yelled at. <laughs> some people love, hey, as the Eurythmics said in the 1980s, some people like to be abused. <laughs> Not me. Okay. But right, like if you don't like being abused and you've been abused, well, have you perpetuated that behavior or have you changed and done something different? That's an easy indicator that maybe you've learned from your story. And I will say this not with pride, mm -hmm. but just in the interest of keeping it real. I haven't always learned from my story, or sometimes it's taken me a long time to figure out that I had a story in the first place, let alone one that I needed to learn from. And only then can I begin to delve into how to change those behaviors. And sometimes those behaviors take a long time to, to change because you're so invested in whatever payoff they had for you, or you just, you just don't know where to begin. They're so ingrained. Mm -hmm. Do you think it does start with a choice, though, in your case, and that's choosing to learn from your story? Yeah. Now, it's a hard choice. I was talking to my husband about this just last night. There's an elderly person that we know, a, a quite elderly person, who is becoming someone that we find a little bit troubling to deal with. And mm -hmm. it's not because of any mental deterioration. This person is sharp as attack, but they are choosing to move in a particular emotional direction and uh, uh, presenting themselves in a way that is not aligned with someone that we particularly want to engage with in the future. Again, it might be different if we felt there was a mental decline going on. I want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. but there's absolutely no evidence of this at all. These are political decisions that this person is choosing to bring into their personal life. And they, uh, we were saying to each other, that's the person they're choosing to become. Mm -hmm. This is the narrative they are choosing to create for themselves. Below a certain age, or if you have certain lack of mental capacity, I think that that choice is constrained or perhaps non-existent. And the classic example is a vegetable. You know, I don't know if that's really the, the correct word to use, so if it isn't, please someone correct me. But if you are like someone that's in that sort of very deep, um, non-conscious state, Mm -hmm. Due to some accident or injury, it's hard to say you have a choice about the story that you're creating for yourself. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you are fully or, or at least by and large a, a person of mental capacity, how can it... I was talking to a friend of mine who told me the other day, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. And then she was telling me all these things she didn't have a choice about. She just didn't like the, the outcomes of her choices. She had a choice. Mm-hmm. So we all have choices. We have choices as to how we behave. We have choices as to what our mindset is. We have choices as to the stories we create. They may be constrained by external factors, things like racist institutions or where you're born or the society that you have or all these sorts of things. But that doesn't mean we always just have only one option. Mm -hmm. We don't. I refuse to ever accept that. And so therefore, it is only logical to take from there that we always do have a choice to learn from our story. Mm. Dorothy, how do you know when you are learning from your story? If you're learning from your story. <laughs> when, when I'm learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's a if. Um, I think um, for me, I probably will have like a, an insight, like a light bulb going on in my mind. And, you know, some, some, 
suddenly maybe more options become available or I see more different things that are possible or, you know, I will have a sense of excitement as well because uh, it means that I'm, you know, there's something that's moving, uh, mm -hmm. that's changing maybe. Um, I think also, you know, if I've learned something or if I'm in the process of learning something, I will also see the effect of that, right? So, mm -hmm. so uh, maybe it's a feedback, maybe it's some a comment or a reaction I get, or maybe it's the, um, you know, um, uh, well, I, you know, I was just saying that I, I play uh, volleyball. So, so one of the things that I, I will know I'm learning uh, the volleyball is when the next time I receive, you know, I receive a slightly better, it's slightly more accurate, or or more often, you know, that type of thing. So you will also match with like the past situation or, and the current situation. And then that will help you define the, the <laughs> where you want to go. If you want to be, you know, sort of uh, um, focused about your, your, your learning. Mm -hmm. um, it's a process. I mean, we are, we are identities in process. So uh, normally there's, there's always something that's changing, whether it's in the context, in our response, and the more we kind of pay attention to that, um, and the more we can um, learn from those uh, maybe um, repetitive behaviors or those things that we don't really like, like uh, Scott was saying, you know, if you don't like being yelled at, or if you don't like that we are the ones doing the yelling, you mm -hmm. know, it's it's, it's how you know as you as you meet the same context and the same stories, how does it evolve? You know, how do you pay attention to that? So, mm -hmm. um, you know. Laura uh, Staley, who's joined us here, she she brings up a really good point. I know the two of you had met her through the Saturday calls, but she says, I know I'm learning when I begin to make different choices, mm -hmm. when I ask questions and deeply reflect on my responses or reactions. Helps to choose to learn to become a lifelong learner. Yeah. And then she follows it up by saying, I apply the new practice and integrate this into my life. I know I'm learning when I keep engaging with life, being curious wondering and implying new ideas. And I, and I'm curious to hear from the two of you as, as well as you, Laura, and anyone else that's tuning in right now, what role do you think curiosity plays in having the ability to learn from one story or life circumstances? Yeah, I think curiosity is really crucial. Um, curiosity or at least uh, an opening uh, so it may not be a active curiosity but it may be a receptive curiosity and and a wandering um a kind of the reflective mode that uh, laura was speaking about that uh, is very very useful is to find those moments or those times where you just you know you daydream basically that's mm -hmm. I, that's my favorite activity is to daydream because as i'm daydreaming i'm reflecting and then i'm becoming open and i'm start to wonder about things and then you know and then i stop de daydreaming and i i can't wait to you know to get started or to 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 go on to my next learning adventure um so i would say curiosity is crucial um because we tend to see ourselves as fixed mm -hmm. as not changing and the world is always the same and the world doesn't change and my neighbor doesn't change. And, you know, uh, but that's not true. You know, everything is, life is in constant motion. So, so it, it requires us to be open and to challenge ourselves as, as well a little bit. See, you know, and that's very motivating as well is to, to, to wonder, so what would happen or, you know, when I start playing volleyball when I start being part of a team or what can happen if, uh, you know, I start learning this or I start doing this differently. 
Um, so curiosity has a very important role there. Yeah. Do you intentionally invite that question into your life when it comes to different activities that you're a part of? Um, yes, I think, well, I've always been very passionate about learning. So I guess it's, it's also a bit natural or habitual. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will, uh, like for instance, when writing poems for me, I'm always have this intention, uh, to be open to what's, um, what could, could happen. So that curiosity is there is maybe I'll be on the bus and I will notice something and that something will trigger the beginning of a poem. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I didn't have that kind of intention or a uh, openness to possibility and potential, then I might I might miss that poem entirely, which sometimes mm -hmm. is sad. <laughs> mm. Mr. Mason, what role does curiosity play in your life? It gives me curious as to who's saying what in the comments, and that gave me an excuse <laughs> to say hi to Jessica Dugas. Yeah. Jessica, it is good to see you today, and we you're one of our favorite people, too, along with Laura. And Laura, thank you for making particularly the comments about <clears throat> Dorothy's remarks on curiosity, because that they, she really did say a lot. And Jessica, what you said about um, how you know that you're growing actually echoes a lot of what we said earlier in the conversation. So thank you for being yet another clanging bell in the chorus. Mm. So curiosity, let us talk about this for a second. I actually, I'm not going to disagree with anything that Dorothy said. I agree mm -hmm. with it, except I will add the following thing. It would be interesting if I did disagree with it, but <laughs> yes. let's, right, I'm not curious. I don't want, There's I know everything. For everything. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes but, you don't and that's okay. You know? No, and you that's okay, but it would, it would be particularly interesting if I disagreed about curiosity. But I, I will say there's a different point of view about that, but I, I want to get to it in a second. I want to add to your point, Dorothy, that I've chosen to be intentional around who I hang around with and have in my life, favoring the curious. That's actually one of the things that attracted me to Oleg in the first place. Anyone who talks to him for two seconds knows that he's curious about this and yeah. that, and he's, he's basically structured an entire life and series of podcasts and everything just about questions, 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 and curiosity. And Dorothy, obviously, you know, we, it goes without saying that you're curious, Laura, Jessica, all of these are curious people. Mm. And I've chosen to be around a husband who is particularly curious. I noticed that about him very, very early in the relationship. Having worked in government for a long time, including when I met him, I was regularly exposed to people who do not engage in a curious mindset at all. I once had a friend of mine, frighteningly enough, well, not friend, someone I knew, Frighteningly enough, this was a longtime school teacher who said, I'm 50 years old. I'm too old to learn anything new. Mm. What? So there are people like that out there, and they're the whole problem with the sclerotic nature of government, there are a number of reasons for that, but a lot of it is because of the stability that it provides and the ability to meet, to niche oneself and to get intellectually and emotionally lazy and not grow can encourage incuriosity. And therefore you can end up in that milieu surrounded by people that are that way and have that mental discipline disappear from your life. So I don't take it for granted. Now, I'm going to switch briefly going to my opinion about this, or at least the thoughts about another point of view, mm -hmm. which is that there is the old cliche, curiosity killed, killed the cat. The cat. Mm -hmm. 
And let's think about that for a minute, because that is the argument against curiosity. It exposes you to risk or danger. But I want to also think about, on a larger scale, curiosity. Why exactly do certain bits of fable or lore or myth travel throughout the years? Curiosity is what has had me thinking about that and opens the door to questioning some of these bits of wisdom. Yes, being curious as a child, sticking your hand on a burning fire might get you burned. It will get you burned. It could hurt you. It could even can kill you if it's not coupled with wisdom or at least guidance, the willingness to be guided. But mm -hmm. let's think about what's really going on here. A lot of times these fables are bits of wisdom. And I ask us to consider this when we think about all past wisdom on. A lot of these stories were told or originated by people like poets or orators or artists or writers or storytellers who were patrons or who were being patronized by the wealthiest in their society and the most powerful. And so these stories and bits of wisdom were tailored to please the ears of the, of the audience. Remain and that audience, <laughs> what'd you say? Remain in the ranks. Mm -hmm. well. Exactly. And so the audience had an incentive to hear messages that discouraged curiosity, particularly when those messages were passed around to uh, as bits of wisdom to go into the more popular um, culture. And so I also think that curiosity is, it is something that can be against conventional wisdom, but the origins of that conventional wisdom are worth being curious about sometimes, number one. Number two, it can be dangerous, but not for the reasons that it will kill you. It's dangerous because of the opportunities that it can bring to disrupt things like injustice, unfair social structures, systems that keep people at bay. Curiosity, why should I be a slave just because I was born that way, could bring down an entire way of life. Mm -hmm. uh, the same with a person, actually. You know, there is uh, a risk in stretching yourself, in getting out of your comfort zone, in, you know, being curious about things that you're not uh, accustomed to or that you don't know, um, because that means that you're moving towards a, a different stability of your own system. Mm -hmm. You know, and if, if so, that could feel. Uh, at least risky or dangerous. And it also, I think, brings up or, uh, another or a variety of interesting points. One of them is the connection between stability and learning, learning mm -hmm. from one story. I know for me, and I don't know if anyone listening to this as well as the two of you can relate to this, but there were certain chapters of my life where certain level of stability was able to be achieved. And I, what I realized was that in that stability, my learning was impacted drastically. There was the desire to learn was no longer as great. The desire to try new things, the desire to explore. So that was one thing that I had, I was very fortunate to realize at a relatively early point of my life and understand that just because I reached these levels of stability, whether it's financial or relationships or whatever it is, I still have to have that mindset of wanting to learn because it's kind of like one of those things where you achieve a goal, or at least when I achieve a goal, it's it. How do you, you you've achieved the objective? What's the point of going farther, right? So that that was one thing that I I 
was very fortunate to catch myself on. And, and the other thing that I think also Scott brought up as well, and it's this concept of learning from your story, but also learning from the stories of others. Mm-hmm. Learning from the stories, I mean, it, when I it made me think of much of the literature that I had to read when I was in college that had to do with a lot of the uh, Russian authors. Mm-hmm. And poets as well during the golden ages, mm-hmm. uh, during the times of Pushkin and uh, Tolstoy, and and it just if I, I I think if taken out of context without the historical uh, point of view, it could be a very different reality that I might be creating for myself based on their story. But that's because they were living in a very different time. They were living in a time where curiosity, so to speak, was not an element that should that was considered mm-hmm. um, self-expression. I mean, a lot of the messages that you read from crime and punishment and many of these books, it's read between the lines yeah. because mm-hmm. they were protecting themselves as well as the people of that country that were supporting them. So it's, that's also interesting to me to understand is how much one can learn from not only my story, but the stories of others but at the same time, taking into context, what was the origin of their story? I want to actually raise something that was embedded in one of the comments that Jessica put down, if I may. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, she says, my husband is not curious. He helps me ease gently into the rabbit hole of curiosity and not trip down getting a concussion. First of all, great use of language there, Jessica. Thank you for bringing <laughs> that little sense of humor into it all. And it goes as to what Jessica said in her next post, which is that curiosity perhaps and the learning learning from our story is most effective is if it is connected to self-discipline and not mm-hmm. just being all over the place so that time gets wasted. Now, we may comment on that if, if we will, but I would be curious to hear from Jessica in particular if there is a reason why she feels that it may be advantageous not to be curious. Because Mm -hmm. Jessica did say she's married to a husband who's not curious. And I have no doubt knowing Jessica and and, and knowing her husband slightly, that he's an amazing person. Otherwise, she wouldn't be with him. Mm -hmm. And so what that says to me is that on some level, there is at least there's a there may be a value to in curiosity that we in our own mindset limitations may not even be comprehending. And if so, I would love to hear about that. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I can uh, add to that because that's also something that you were saying, Oleg, and so Jessica has time to answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, um, you know, you were speaking about the stability. And, you know, in, in change, we always need a point of stability. And sometimes we just need that, um, we just need to be in stability because of all the context around us, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's difficult to be curious when everything around you is changing or is, you know, at risk or, you know, is chaotic or that type of things. And then the only thing you can do is to really, you know, go one day after one day, one step after one step. And then when things stabilize again and you are at a new equilibrium, then it's important to remember that you can be curious and that you can start, you know, um, it's there it becomes your choice, you know, to sort of address things that are, um, important to address and sometimes circumstances uh, uh, put them to you. So I think sometimes also there is the curiosity that um, 
like um, some people I know <laughs> tend to be very curious about your private life or, you know, they want to know all of the details and, and it's, it's not, it, they're not really learning anything from that. So I think there's, it's more like a, uh, maybe you know, set um, um, creating a file or something like that where they can share with others. But it's not about really like learning something about life or an insight or a piece of wisdom or a skill. You know, it's a, so that for me that's where curiosity becomes too much. Is when you know I get and you know I'm kind of a bit of a private person. So so if I get all of these questions, you know, fired. Uh, in a row and, you know, going into the very, very uh, details of that, you know, um, and, and especially if there's nothing that I feel like afterwards that they may have remembered in terms of uh, um, like an evolution or a learning or a wisdom or, but it's just facts and figures that they, they keep for their files or something, something like that. <laughs> I want to take a second to give a quick shout out to Patrick Farron, who joined mm -hmm. the call. Patrick is calling in from Hawaii. And so I know the time difference is very, very great there. He is a, has a great spiritual mind and a huge heart. Patrick, it is so good to see you here and to have you in the house. Mm -hmm. How do either of you know, you, you, both of you have raised this topic uh, multiple times throughout this conversation, but how do either of you know what you choose to share as far as the learning and takeaways go from your story while also understanding that that possible exposure could put you in situations where the things that you share might be used as weapons against you yeah. or not necessarily constructive criticism, but negative feedback. How do, how do the two of you decide that? How, how do you, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to share this takeaway, this element of my story, or do you just, put it out there and, and kind of treat it as if it's any other component of your story. I'll start with a story that illustrates that. When I was in high school, I remember having a very, very difficult period in my life. I would sleep a lot. I, I got homework done usually quite quickly. So I would just put my head down on the desk and I would sleep or just hide away and a way to escape the day-to-day -day misery of what my life was at the time. And I was really sad a lot. I felt isolated. And I remember one day during a social studies class, I was had my head down. And this woman, young woman, well, I was a senior at the time, so she was old enough to not be a girl anymore, came up to me and she touched me on the shoulder very gently. And she looked at me and she said, Scott, is everything okay? I'm, I'm concerned about you. You're such a nice person and you look like you're so sad. You can tell me what's going on. And I did. And she's like, well, you know what? If you ever need me, I'm here to just listen to and be a shoulder for you to cry on. And you have my, all my sympathy. 10 minutes later, the bully in the back of the room stood up, yelled out loud, Scott. And he just repeated back everything that I had just told her. And she was sitting behind him, giggling and laughing away and having a grand old time. At that point, I remember thinking, maybe I should never share my story with anyone again. I had a choice. Now, I didn't consciously, due to lack of maturity, make a choice at that point, a conscious decision to say, I'm going to sh still share my story. But I did, at some level, say to myself, I'm not going to tortoise shell myself or my history. I'm going to maybe be careful about when and who and where I say what to. 
and I have become more cautious about that. But it doesn't mean, and it has never meant, although it could have, that my story shouldn't be out there. Our stories have been given to us for a number of reasons, and it's not always just about us. Mm-hmm. I believe it is to share, mm-hmm. to pass on, and to give something that people may not know. Ethics is a big part of how and why I operate in this world, and I'm moving into that direction more and more and more. And part of ethics, to me at least, is understanding that the gifts that we've been given are there to be of service to the world. Our stories, our gifts, hoarding them is not being of service to Mm -hmm. others who may need them. We have an ethical obligation to share. By the way, some of the most damaging things that have happened to me in my life, some of the most damaging things are things that I'm uh, uh, nervous about talking about or have been reluctant to talk about or people just don't talk about. But we've got to talk about those. There can be a conspiracy of silence around some of our stories and the subjects that they have that if people don't hear about, then they feel like they're all alone. Think about male sexual abuse. If people felt they couldn't share their story, Mm -hmm. imagine the lives and the generations of lives that would be ruined because stories weren't shared. Those people that could had an obligation to do so. I choose to find a way to be capable. And I choose to accept that obligation and urge every single person that comes into my life to the very best of their ability to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, That's uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I, I think that also speaks to Jessica's latest comment about maybe one of the reasons why sometimes I didn't choose to share my own stories is because of the expect expectations and assumptions I was creating around them. Oh, people don't want to hear this or people don't want to know that. And I realized that in, in challenging a lot of those beliefs that truly were not no longer serving me, I was able to be of greater service because I was able to share those things. But yeah, I think it, it going back to what, Scott was saying and and Laura's comment previously when she said content I share can indeed be used as can be used to gaslight yeah. someone else. But the the thing about that that kind of the um blessing and the curse at the same time is you don't know. You don't know to whom it's going to be the fire that's needed and to who, to whom it's going to be, you know, gaslight so to speak yeah. to create some sort of destruction and I think if anything what I something else that I've learned is that it's one of those things where I don't know if it's possible to know until you try, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really um, essential to, to share your story. Uh, like Scott was, was saying, that's really, really so important. And it will be used or at least interpreted. I mean, I say that with the poetry. So I write a poem and then, you know, somebody reads it and then they come back to me and say, oh, this and this and this. And I'm, Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's not. I I don't think that's what I put in the poem, but maybe I did, and obviously that's what you got out of it. So so that's fine for you. I mean, you got something out of it, and, you know. But I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not responsible, you know, for uh, how other people are going to take, you know, my story, and so that's uh, and that's that's always surprising. So I'm always uh, uh, when I write an article and so on, and then you know, there's uh, oh, but uh, this and this and this. Oh yeah, yeah, I wrote that. That's true. <laughs> You know, so so it's always surprising me a little bit. Well, um, and I oh, go ahead, Dorothy. Please, I want you to finish. Yeah, and I there's 
Um, I was going to say as well, I'm, I listen to stories. So, um, and I've, I've learned, I used to maybe withhold too much of my story. Um, the more like the, the, maybe the more personal details. Um, and I would listen and I realized that there is, it has to be in both direction. So that might be one way of identifying if, if this is a good place to share or not is, is, is the person also sharing? You know, do I feel like when I'm sharing, they are listening and uh, mm -hmm. are they also willing to share and to, to partake in that, uh, um, um, vulnerability, um, uh, aspect of the, of the story of the sharing. Well, and, oh, go ahead, please. <laughs> Sorry, I, I apologize. Thing. I'm constantly interrupting. And it's really not. <laughs> That's good. I, I, have not the ten, I have the tendency to do that. We're creating sense. a different story here. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, something that I've um, find it interesting to experience with, and that's in my case, and it's going to be different for others, is that um, I must share my story in a way that is at a poetic level, so at a metaphoric level, so transforming the individual into the universal. Mm -hmm. For me, when I share something that's more um, of the actual story, I would say, or the, you know, to go more into the details of them, somehow it sounds flat. It doesn't work. That's me, right? Because my gift is poetry and, you know, that's, that's our, you know, that, that's that, that kind of vibration or resonance or, or, or language or style or genre that's uh, that helps me to share that story and, and that it resonates with others but if i go too more too much in the teacher mode <laughs> you know the the coach teacher or you know intellectual mode it doesn't work mm -hmm. for me and if i go too much into the uh, personal uh, mode it doesn't work so it's also up to each other to find kind of that uh, um, that register, that level at which it works. Mm -hmm. How do either of you, as well as Laura and Jessica and anyone else that's listening right now, how do you learn from your story about things that you are not able to see yourself? Do you ask other people for feedback? If so, how do you know who to trust? And to what degree do you trust that individual? I'm, yeah, Please. Um, okay, I'm, um, yeah, I will, sometimes I will ask for feedback. I tend to say that any sort of response or feedback I get is good to receive. Um, I may not, and then it's good to sort of reflect on that and maybe ask further questions if it's not clear, because it's very difficult sometimes for people to, to understand what sort of feedback to give or to formulate it in a way that's, you know, that helps me. So it's it's good to ask questions or to, to and maybe to ask questions to somebody else who understands that as well. And uh, I will not take on board everything that is being said. So I will also for every feedback I get is to say, okay, what's the what's the resonance with me? Can I do something with that? Uh, maybe it's not right now, and maybe at the moment I just don't get it. And then maybe three months later or one year later, I say, oh yeah, but they said me that at that time and. And now it makes sense, right? So, uh, um, yeah, I have a, a story like that of one day I did a show, a, a concert, which was one of the first thing, time I ever did something like that with poetry. 
and I had a lot of great feedback and I felt that, uh, you know, I did a, a good job. It was like also there were musicians and it was a whole, a whole show with other people. And then I received this email from someone who was really destructive. And I said, well, he doesn't know me and it takes the time and patience to write me an email. So I appreciate that in him already. And then, you know, his feedback is not so great. I mean, I would prefer to receive, you know, flowers and, and champagne and that type of things. But, but it took the time to write that down. So I thought this is really important. And so I, I asked him a couple of clarifying questions because I didn't understand what he was really talking about. I also asked a friend of mine who was there and I know she can observe these type of things. Um, and so she, she kind of helped me understand what he was saying. And so I thanked him, you know, at the end of the session because he, he wrote back and, you know, I still wasn't clear, but at least he was, you know, taking that effort to try and explain to me, even though it was a bit critical and, you know, negative. And, and, um, and I, I, it was great because I got the best gift ever for this type of thing. So it is something that it was in, uh, I think, in 2017 or 16 or 17. And I'm, I'm still learning from that one feedback he gave me. Mm. Mr. Mason, how do you deal with that process? Jessica had some interesting pushback against what Dorothy said. It was respectful, but I think that, and that's a sort of engagement that, for instance, when I hear something critical about my story or someone disagreeing, I can hear it a little bit more easily if it's if it's said in a way that is respectful and appears to at least have good intention behind it, as mm -hmm. opposed to, like, a, I've worked with people who have felt the need to, you know, basically just say you're stupid or that was stupid or you're inexperienced that you don't know what you're talking about or I'm so, right? Like, was it, is the motive or at least the apparent motive for the other person to build themselves up at your expense or was it to, for them to address the issues that you may, that they may be feeling inside or insecurities or all that sort of thing? If so, I out of hand dismiss them. And honestly, if the feedback you give me, I'm, extreme this way perhaps but if the feedback you give me once is based on negativity or some weirdness that isn't constructive or about your ego or about putting me anything like that i i've already as jessica put it discerned you out the door you yeah know, i ain't hearing you now there are other times when the person is well-intentioned but they just you're just not for them or I, what you're what you're selling, they just ain't buying. I always joke that there is a certain audience segment that views me as loud, obnoxious, screaming, vulgar. All these, you know, and I've heard this from a number of different people, and that's fine. You ain't paying my bills, so you know I, I hear what you're saying. And then sometimes these this feedback about your story and who you are and, and critique and all that might be things that I'm proud of. So saying I'm loud or or in your face or whatever, all that. Yeah, baby, you just handed me a victory with the insults. Sometimes, sometimes um, the punishment is really a reward. Sort of like when one time my mom was mad at me, and so she um, she was mad because I was not hustling quickly enough to get to church in the morning. So she, her punishment was going to church without me. That was the best punishment I've ever had in my life. I got to go home and go to bed. Please punish me every day if that's what it looks like. My chair just went down. I think the chair is giving me feedback about my over-the-top actions. Yeah, and I, I listen I to think... the chair, by the way. <laughs> Love the story. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, if it's, uh, it's, it's also important to be able to discern the, you know, kind of the manipulative kind of feedback, you know, the people who are trying to get you in a particular corner or that type of things. And yeah, I guess that's, uh, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a question of the type, what type of uh, skin you put on, you know, when you hear that type of feedback and, and how to filter that out. And and indeed, I mean, those uh, people who are who are negative or manipulative for that pure um, uh, pure for their fun or whatever intention they have, you know, they they don't have uh, space in my life, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, but it's I not think... easy to find out and to figure it out. Is it, yeah, sometimes is it, you can't. Well intentioned? Is it uh, manipulative? Is it yes? You know? And there, are, by the way, a place for those people. There was a friend of mine who once said he loved to spend New Year's Eve with this particular set of people. He said, "Oh yeah, they're all really cynical and they're really bitter and they just hang around and they trash others and they are m- miserable and angry about everything." And I don't miss a single, you know, I don't miss a single New Year's Eve with them. Great. I'm glad you found your people. His dosage of cynicism for the year. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I could just share one more story about this, by the way. Perception of who you are, what you are, and what what your story is. I have a very particular story around my appearance. Now, one time on the subway, a man sat across from me and drew a sketch of me. And he said, this is what you look like. And I took the picture. And I was like, okay, this is fine. I took it home. And then my husband said... Scott, this artist is telling you you look just like George Costanza on Seinfeld. And he said, you know, maybe you need to think about whose story you're listening to. <laughs> just saying. Wait, Lionel Richie. Or, <laughs> or Lionel Richie. Yeah, talk about learning from other people's stories, right? <laughs> I think it's a it you know it's a great topic obviously it's a loaded um conversation so for for the sake of time and in everyone's um presence today I just wanted to briefly open this up to at least the two of you and that is what are some ways that people can learn from your story and the different things that you're doing in life and I'd like to start off with you uh Dorothy. Mm. Um, I have uh, like um, the five P's of learning. <laughs> this uh, just a, it's just a joke, but I just happened to be. I one of the things I've learned is really the, um, to have patience and persistence. So they're not the same thing. Is to it's a long, long it's a long game. So it's um, whatever. Sometimes you learn like in an instance, but uh, most of the time it's something that may. Um, come back and again and if it's like a skill uh, that you want to learn then definitely you need to to have patience with that and you, ha- you need to have persistence and I um, uh, but you need to do that in a in a way that is uh, playful so that you will have fun with it that it's not just like this heavy dramatic uh, thing you have to do and you must do in order to to be the perfect um, new you uh, in a few months time um, and there's an element of passion of uh, the things, you know, to follow the things or to learn the things or to practice the things that you actually have an interest for, you know, that, that, that you enjoy doing at some, some level, even though it's, sometimes it's hard to do. And the one uh, last thing I noticed in, in my learning, and, and especially from, from more like the, the, the life events or the experiences, the stories I've, uh, um, I've lived through, is the importance of people. Um, people to 
to put you on the way, people to give you some some expertise or some advice or some feedback, people to just, you know, in a sincere way, then come and see how you are and share with you. Um, people like 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 you too, uh, you know, when we we having conversations, it's uh, it's a way that I I learn the best in a way. Mr. Mason, what about you? Purposehighway.com is where you can go to join a new movement of those seeking connection through the search for meaning. Mm. I want to appreciate the, the two of you and, and Jessica and Laura for being a part of it because I think that even when it comes to this topic as well as all the other ones that we've had, we might be the ones starting this conversation and and exploring some of the questions, but really we can only go so far in my opinion. And I think having their insights and perspectives shared and helping us see differently, it, it really enhances the conversation that much more. So I just want to thank everyone that's, that's a part of this on, on a weekly basis. And I especially want to thank uh, you, Scott and you, Dorothy, for being a part of this, being a part of the Saturday calls and in many other ways that you involved. There's, there's quite a bit of learning that I, do about my own story just with the presence of the two of you in my life so i, I just, just say thank you, thank you oleg <laughs> you. thank you all for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as we did if you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week. Thank you.